Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrisone, who was charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrisone's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrisone fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting, and in the alternative, because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we concluded our look at the testimony of the case's lead crime scene investigator, Brian Bailey. In this installment, we begin our look at the testimony of Mary Haskins Gray, the defendant's girlfriend and assistant dressage trainer. That's all coming up right after the break. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. After the lead crime scene investigator of the Canarek shooting, Brian Bailey, leaves the witness stand, Judge Stephen Taylor invites the prosecution to proceed with its case. I call your next witness, Mr. Shellhorn. Judge, the state will next call Mary Haskins Gray. Mary Haskins Gray is in her early 40s, with ashy blonde hair that falls below her shoulders and hazel eyes. She wears a gray jacket, which she removes during her testimony, over a cream-colored patterned shirt with a short, frilly collar. Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn welcomes the witness. Go ahead, Mr. Shellhorn. Good morning, Ms. Gray. Good morning. Can you please introduce yourself to the jury? Um, I'm Mary Haskins Gray. I'm a professional dressage writer and trainer and competitor. And can you tell us a little bit about your professional experience as a dressage rider? In what regards? Uh, How long have you been riding? Oh, since I was five. And what is dressage? Dressage, I would say, is like the highest form of training. Um, We do sort of dance moves with the horses and patterns. It's an Olympic sport. Um, You can ride at all levels as an amateur or professional. But that's that's my main focus with the horses, dressage. And did you also indicate you have some experience as uh, an instructor or a trainer? Yes. Can you tell the jury a little bit about that? So I mostly train horses and riders, and then I compete also, but I I teach lessons, clinics, other aspiring riders, and and a lot of times mostly work with the horses, training the horses. With respect to dressage, is there a difference between being a professional and an amateur? Yes. Can you tell the jury what that is? So professionals paid for something in the business, whether it's a boarding business or riding lessons or paid to ride or compete, and an amateur is someone that rides without compensation, without money. And what is your status? Professional. Do you know Michael Garrison? Yes, sir. Do you see him in court today? Yes, sir. Could you just identify him by an article of clothing he's wearing? Uh, blue and red striped tie. Identified my client. All right, Ms. Uh, Gray has identified the defendant for the record, Mr. Barrison. Go ahead, Mr. Shellhorn. Ms. Gray, do you also know an individual named Lauren Kenner? Yes, sir. Did you know her or do you know her through your association with Mr. Barrison? Yes, sir. Do you know an individual named Robert Goodwin? Yes, sir. 
And do you know him through your same association with the defendant? Yes, sir. Can you tell the jury when it is that you first met uh, the defendant, Michael Barrison? Uh, when I first met him, uh, I was probably a teenager through um, competing internationally and running the same circuit. We knew of each other through mutual friends and other professionals. And at some point during your life, were you involved in a romantic relationship? Yes, sir. And do you recall approximately when that began? 2015, sometime. And drawing your attention to the summer of 2019, were you still involved in a relationship with him uh, romantically? Yes, sir. Were you also involved in a professional relationship? Yes, sir. Can you tell the jury what the nature of that relationship was? Professional? Yes. Um, so I had horses in the barn in New Jersey and in Florida. Um, we worked together developing horses for top sport, bringing along young horses. Um, we worked on personal goals, training our students and clients and all of that. Now, you indicated that uh, there were two farms. Can you tell the jury specifically where those two farms were? Uh, one one is in Long Valley, New Jersey, and the other in Loxahatchee, Florida. And what is your understanding of why the defendant owned two farms? It's pretty common, um, or at least to travel between north and south, because obviously the weather changes, and to, to keep developing the horses, training, and competing, a lot of people will go south for the winter and north for the summer. That's pretty common. Based on your involvement with the defendant, both professionally and romantically, are you aware of certain aspects of his business and of his farms? Yes. For example, can you tell the jury of how many horses may be boarded at the New Jersey farm at any given time? Um, I think towards the end we had about 40 to 45 on the New Jersey farm. We didn't have that much room in Florida, but about what we had in New Jersey. And would 40 to 45 be about capacity for what that yes, farm sir. could board? Yes. Did the defendant ever have employees or students working for him? Yes. And can you tell the jury what a student uh, worker would be in the dressage community? Like a working student? Yes. Okay, so that's also pretty common. Working students are people that are typically younger or want to learn and um, follow someone that's more accomplished. So they'll put themselves in a working situation where they exchange work for education. So that's pretty common in the horse industry to have younger people come and stay, work, learn, progress. Most of them go on to become professionals themselves. And during the time that you were working with the defendant, approximately how many working students may be there at any given time? I'd say about four, roughly, give or take. What is a riding clinic? A clinic um, is usually where the instructor travels to another farm or location and teaches multiple riders per day. It's usually a lot of auditors. Um, it's usually someone also that's super accomplished teaching people that are looking to further their education and they're riding with their horse, and that's pretty much it. And does the clinician uh, get paid for that? Yes, sir. What is your understanding or experience with how a clinician is paid? What do you mean by, by check or like, what, I don't know, what do you mean? Fair enough. Uh, is it, do they get paid a lot of money, a little amount of money or something else? I would say depending on the person and their accomplishments, it can be typically people that have been in the Olympics are usually charged pretty high amount. Uh, are you aware of what Michael Barrison's reputation was in the dressage community? Yes, sir. Uh, what were some of his accomplishments that you're aware of? As, as a rider? Yes. Um, competed internationally very successfully, um, alternate to the Olympic Games, pretty much what we all strive to accomplish as a rider. He had done it. Did you ever see him coaching at any clinics? Yeah. And what was your uh, experience or what was your observations of him and the way that he would coach and be received by the people at the clinic? He was a very popular and loved clinician. Now, in terms of the farm here in Long Valley in New Jersey, uh, where did you live when you were here? Um, on the farm. And can you describe for the jury a little bit about uh, what was on the property of the farm? 
uh, well, there was a historical home. Um, there was a barn with 30-some stalls, uh, indoor riding arena, outdoor riding arena, alternate buildings with additional stalls, um, a young horse area where we had young horses that lived outside, hay fields. When you say a historical farm, can you tell the jury a little bit about the layout uh, of the farm, of, excuse me, of the farmhouse? Um, well, we want to understand it was a house that was closer up to the road that they moved further back and actually turned into three different living areas. Did you ever live in that house? I did. And at times, were there other people living in that house besides just you? Yes, sir. Uh, for example, when you lived there, did you live in one of those living areas with anybody? Yes, sir. Who was that? Michael Barrison. And my children when, when they were here. So you have children? Yes, sir. Is that uh, with the defendant or with someone else? With someone else. Did they live in another place most of the year? Uh, most of, like when they're in school, they're mostly in North Carolina, I guess. And so I guess from the answer you just gave at times, they would come to the New Jersey farm? Absolutely, yeah. And they would stay with you at the farmhouse? Yes, sir. Who else may have lived uh, in the, the farmhouse, for example, when you were living? When I was living there, Lauren and Rob were living upstairs in the apartment. Are you aware if anyone else had ever lived in that upstairs apartment? Yes. Who was that? Justin Harden. Now, you said that there were approximately three separate living areas. Yes. What was the third living area? Um, originally, there was a basement. There was entrance to the basement where um, a lot of the girls would live. We had a little kitchen and bedrooms and bathroom down there. Um, the main floor was a separate entrance and residence, and then upstairs had its own entrance, and that was its own residence as well. And were those separate, although they each had separate entrances to those various living areas, were they also connected within the inside of the building? Yes. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. After asking Ms. Haskins Gray about the farm's residence quarters, Prosecutor Shellhorn inquires about other areas of the property. You also mentioned uh, the barn and the training areas. Yes. Can you describe a little bit more detail about what was in that area of the farm? Inside the barn? Well, uh, there was a stable. Yes. So, yeah. In the stable, we had tack rooms. We had like a big loading dock where we kept hay, a feed room. Attached to the stable was a covered arena. Um, so we had like a grooming area. You can go right into the ring or outside the outdoor arena. We had a big clubhouse with a kitchen, um, an office. And you just use the word, word tack room. For those members of the jury who don't know what a tack room is, what's that? It's where you keep your saddle and bridle and all your horse tack. And then we also had lockers where people had grooming supplies and miscellaneous things. Next, Shellhorn shows Haskins Gray a number of photos of the clubhouse area and asks her to guide the jurors through the details of this location, as well as the significance of a number of the items in that clubhouse. All right, Ms. Gray, you were just uh, describing the the clubhouse at the barn. We just pulled up on the screen here, S-289. Do you recognize that? I do. And what is S-289 a picture of? Um, our club room area. And does that appear to be a fair and accurate picture of the way the club room looked on August yes. 7th, 2019? Yes. 
Before digging into the details of the clubhouse, Shellhorn asks Haskins Gray to orient the jurors as to the rooms beyond the clubhouse area. With respect to S-289, what would be at the back of the, the photo, meaning if someone was standing looking into the room, what's at their back? The back left corner would be the office. Okay, so looking to the to the back left corner of this picture is the office? Yes, sir. Okay, and is that where you could see a little bit of a light oh, next right, to that yes, pillar? Mm -hmm. What would be to the right of the office there uh, inside the club? That door. Is there a pool table in that room? There is, yes. Okay, and what's uh, in the pool table closer to where the picture is taken? Couches, furniture. And as we come closer to where the picture's taken, what's on the left-hand side? A dining room table, more furniture, and then, in a kitchen. And then the kitchen. Yeah. And then if someone was to turn around and walk backwards in the direction where the photo it's was taken. a door that goes out. Hold, hold, hold on. Wait for me to answer the question. I know you're anxious. Yes. <laughs> let, let him finish. Okay. It's, it's not, it's for the jury. It's also for okay. the record so everybody hears the question fully. Yes, sir. And even though oftentimes witnesses anticipate what's going to be said, just let them finish so the jury hears it, and you, then you can answer. All right, go ahead. Uh, rephrase your question, please. So if someone was to turn around to the direction where the photo was taken and turn around and walk backwards, what would be behind them? A door that goes into the barn. And what, as you walk through that door, what do you see when you get into that area? To the left would be uh, two tack rooms. To the right with the lockers would start there. Now I'm going to show you S290. What do you recognize S290 to be a picture of? Um, that's the entrance from the porch into like a foyer that went into the barn. Shellhorn points to the foyer that Haskins Gray just mentioned. So would this be if uh, someone was walking into the club room from the entrance on the parking lot? Yes, sir. What are those items that are hanging from a, a chain and hook there on the, the basically the middle of the picture? Those are coolers or blankets from competition. Um, usually international competitions and top placings. And what's, so what's the significance of, of a, well, what is a cooler? Um, I think maybe some are like scrim sheets, but they, sometimes they'll give you a cooler. It's like something you throw over the horses, cool or warm and sweating, um, or you want to draw them off. Um, a lot of times if you won a competition, they would give you a, a, blank, a blanket for the horse. So some of those might be sheets. And are you aware of what some of these specific coolers were for that were hanging or who had won those coolers? Yes, sir. Who would that be? I would assume most of them belong to Michael Barrison. And do you assume that because you've had conversations or you knew that from living there? Yeah, I mean, and Vera had done some things too, so I don't know like which ones exactly belong to each person. Who is Vera? Michael's ex-wife. And is that Vera Kessels? Yes, sir. Uh, do you know approximately how long the defendant and Vera Kessels were married? I do not. At some point, are you aware whether she lived on that property? Yes, sir. Shellhorn indicates the photo taken from the point of view of the foyer where the coolers hang. So is it fair to say if someone came to the property for the first time, walked into the building from the parking lot, this would be the first thing they would see as they come into the park? Correct. All right, next I'm going to ask you, uh, what is S-292 a picture of? Also the club room. What do those windows look at that are on the right-hand side of the picture? Um, the windows look out into the indoor arena and seating area out there where we would sit. With respect to some of the photos that we see on the left-hand side of the, the picture and then in the middle of the picture, as well as down on the windowsills, what, what are those pictures of generally? Big accomplishments, great horses that were made. Um, some, some of those on the left are, are of Olympians that Michael coached his pictures with the Olympic team, 
some of the pictures up top are of young horses that were purchased. And when you say great horses that were made, uh, what do you mean by that? Horses that were competed at the highest level, um, had done major championships or competed internationally that were successful. And would those be horses that were trained by Michael Barrisone or at his farm? Yes, something? sir. And, and both. Like some of the riders on the left had horses of their own that he was involved with, stuff like that. All right, next I'll uh, show you what's been marked as S293. Is this just another picture moving further into the center of the room? Yes, it is. And are those pictures up on the top above the window, the pictures you were talking about, the, the young horses? Yes, sir. Can you tell that, explain that, the significance of that again to the jury? Um, you mean as far as the significance to the business or? Well, what would, what, what is the significance of the pictures? Um, what are they pictures? Of? They were of foals that were purchased either at auction um, or through a friend of a family member. Um, and that's definitely not all of the young horses that we had, but horses that have been acquired and we have pictures up of the foals, the baby horses. And then what would the significance be of putting those pictures up uh, in the club room there where people could see them? I don't think it's had any significance other than it was meaningful to us. I, I guess fair to say you were proud of what you had done? Well, nothing had been done with those yet. They were they were babies. So that was just what usually at auction, they'll send you a picture with a passport. And so we just displayed them of horses for the future. And is S294 uh, just another picture moving to the right? Correct. Where does that doorway go? That uh, door goes out into the indoor arena. And if a person was to walk through that door and into the indoor arena, what is uh, right in front of them inside the arena? A seating area and a, a little, a, a wall, like a head wall to the arena, chairs. Is S295 another picture of that room moving towards the right? Yes, sir. And I see a door to the right of this picture there. Where does that door go? The door on the far right is the door that goes out into the barn area. That was the one that you had explained before you would go out to where there's the tack room and the yes, locker. Sir. Yeah. What was this club room used for? A common area. We all had breakfast and coffee and dinners and it's just a common area for clients and us to enjoy. At times, was it used for entertaining? Yeah, for sure. In S295 on the right there, is that the table you were talking about? The dining room table? Yeah. Yes. Yes, sir. Shellhorn shows one last picture of the club room. And last, I'm going to show you S300. Do you recognize that picture? I do, yeah. Is that just another picture of a different area of the club room? Yes, sir. Next, the prosecutor moves on to a photo taken in the rear area of the club room, away from the foyer. This is Michael Barrison's office. All right, now you indicated that there's also an office in the barn. Yes, sir. Um, if we were looking at S300, where would the office be oriented in relation to where we are in S300? Um, so if I'm standing right here, looking at the picture, it would be to the right. So it looks like there's a bookcase on the right side of the picture? Yes, sir. Would it be to the right just past there? It would. Um, whose office was that? Michael's, and I had a desk in there as well. All right, I'm going to show you what's uh, been marked as S301 that I believe is already in evidence. Uh, is that a picture of the office? It is. And you indicated that you had a, a workspace in there. Where was your desk or workspace? To the right. Like, right when you walked in, it was to the right side. So it looks like there's a chair there on wheels. Yes, sir. Would that be the chair you're talking about yes. where you would sit? Yes, sir. And who would sit at that big desk behind you? Michael would. What's S302 a picture of? The office as well, looking out into the cover. Now on the right-hand side, what's that big black uh, item? The safe. Did you have access on a regular basis to the safe? No, sir. And before I move on, um, do you and, and Michael Barrison still have any sort of a business relationship? No, sir. 
In his next line of questioning, Prosecutor Shellhorn lays the groundwork for asking Ms. Haskins Gray about her communications with Michael Barrisone. Now, I think you indicated that you had met uh, Mr. Barrisone quite some time ago. And uh, did you know many of the same people in the industry? We did. We do, yeah. And how would you describe the equestrian community in terms of, I guess, size or familiarity? I think everyone's pretty familiar with one another if you're after a certain point, yes. During the course of, of time that uh, you knew the defendant, worked with them, and were in a, involved in a romantic relationship with them, did you communicate with them on a regular basis? Yes. Not, not before we were in a relationship. Yeah. But when you were? Yes, sir. And would that have been uh, through various means, in person, over the phone, and through text message? Sure. Now, did you give your phone to the police on the day of the shooting, yeah, August yeah. 7th? Yes, yeah, sir. And do you recall uh, what kind of phone it was? Maybe not the specific An number. iPhone? Yeah, so if you could open that, and is that your phone that you gave to the police it that is, day? Yes. And you can put it back in there, thank you. Okay. And you're aware, uh, or you became aware after giving that to the police at some point in the last uh, amount of time since the shooting, uh, that that phone was processed by the police? Of course, yes. And you understand that they had extracted certain Absolutely, yes. evidence from it? Yes. Now, during the course of the time that you and the defendant were working together and involved in a relationship together, did you discuss various things uh, related to the equestrian world? Sure. And that would have involved things that were going on maybe with other people in the equestrian community? Sure. Did you discuss uh, things related to the business and running the farm? Absolutely. Now, you indicated that the defendant was also your coach? Yes, sir. And is it fair to say that based on the fact that you were involved in a relationship with him, you were running a business with him, and that you were being coached by him, you're aware of some of his philosophies on horsemanship and that sort of thing. Sure. Can you tell the jury what horsemanship is? I think everyone would describe that differently. Um, horsemanship, to me, would be everything that goes into managing a horse. Everything down to the grooming, the barn, the feed, the veterinary care, the barrier, um, and then also doing and taking as much time you need to develop the horse in the most correct way. What was uh, the defendant's view on horsemanship? He put a big importance on horsemanship. Ms. Gray, can you see that screen in front of you? I can. So, just so you know that this item has been marked for identification so we can keep track of it with the record at this point, but we won't be displaying it up on the screen, so just you'll be able to see okay. it. And I'm going to direct your attention to uh, line 6778 of S171. Do you see that line? Um, tell me the number one more time, please. 6778. If you look, there's a little yes. cursor okay. next yes. to it. And does that indicate that it was a text message that Michael Barrison, the defendant, sent you on February 17th, 2019? Correct. And uh, what did he say uh, in that second line of that text message? Judge, again, uh, I have no objection as long as I can get into specific conversations. All right. It's quarter of. We'll take our morning break, ladies and gentlemen. It's right around that time. We have to discuss this legal issue, so we'll take about 20 minutes. So 11.05 or so. With that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Join us in our next installment as we continue our look at the testimony of Mary Haskins Gray, including the resolution of Edward Belinkus's objection to the prosecution's use of the text messages between Haskins Gray and the defendant. Also, if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. 
flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and trial audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison. <laughs>